Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod in association with the British Library on Friday the 19th of November. Well, as I said at the beginning, I'm very happy to be working with the British Library and its Business and Intellectual Property Centre on this new series of podcasts called Going for Growth. So do watch out for more in this series coming soon. Uh, And in this interview, talking of growing businesses, I speak to John Griffin, who is the uh, founder and chairman of Addison Lee, Europe's largest minicab company. And John talks to me about uh, how he has dealt with being the CEO and chairman of a growing business, uh, his management style, how he motivates staff, and how he has turned what started off as a one-man in a leaky office with a bucket to catch the rain into uh, Europe's largest minicab firm. So lots of great advice and uh, I hope you enjoy this one. Now, uh, Addison Lee, of course, are based just round the corner uh, from uh, the British Library's Business and IP Centre, which is based, as many of you will know, in London's King's Cross. Addison Lee just up the road, so very much a local business. And uh, it's great to be working with the British Library on this joint podcast. Uh, I've known the the Business and IP Centre for a long time. Uh, They've got a great group of people there and uh, a really fantastic resource for businesses that are starting up or indeed growing. So what do they offer? Well, free access to the library's business and intellectual property information. An enormous free resource for businesses that are looking into markets, looking to start up, researching IP and where they want to take their business. Uh, They also run workshops, networking events um, and one-to-one advice sessions. And I know also they have a series of events for growth businesses coming up. So do check out those details. Now, when I visited John Griffin, uh, he was sitting in a small office at the very heart of the uh, the building where Addison Lee is based, surrounded by people taking calls for uh, minicab hire. Uh, very down-to-earth character, very relaxed character, but someone who clearly has that steel and respect as well. When I arrived, he was there eating his sandwiches out of some sort of silver foil wrapping and uh, doesn't have the trappings of some successful entrepreneurs, I might mention, but certainly has a a lot of wisdom and advice to share. So I started by asking John to describe Addison Lee's growth. Uh, Addison Lee has done very well over the years. Remember, though, we did start in 1975, so we're a 35-year-old overnight sensation. Um, It's, you know, it's been a pleasure, really. You know, it's not been a slog. Uh, It's been fairly slow because some businesses can catapult, you know, when they get contracts. What we do here is, it's the difference between work, drivers, increasing the drivers, increasing the work, trying to keep the term parallel, and it's quite difficult. Historically, companies in the trade have never really surpassed 350, and mostly because taking the booking and giving it out to the driver and all the details that are involved, those are time constraints that nobody's been able to resolve. So we went down the IT path some 15, 20 years ago, and now we're taking the bookings much more quickly. And in fact, yesterday, we had a record day where we had 22,851 bookings covered. 
which in the 24 hours, that's, that is our current record. This year, um, we've actually increased the turnover by 24%, which in the recession is pretty commendable. And we, we you know, we, we've sold it on quite well. I think, you know, we've got good plans. I think we've got a very solid base here. We've got a good brand. We've managed to build a, a very strong brand name. And brands are so important now in, in today's age, you know, and, and people do buy Heinz baked beans because they know them. And we want to be the Heinz beans of the transport industry. And, you know, we're doing quite well at the moment, but there's a lot yet to be achieved. We've got a lot of places to go. This is a big town. There's... Uh, there's almost 50,000 private hire vehicles and we've got two and a half, so there's a lot of room to expand. Although we look as big as we are, when you look at the whole market, you know, we're actually quite a small player. So I keep people in focused on that thought, so yeah. that, you know, we're going to build a little bit more as we go. And I mean, the, the the growth has been, as you say, it's been slow and steady. If you like, it's not a, it's a, a an overnight, not an overnight sensation, but a sensation nevertheless. And when you first started out, did, had you always in mind that you wanted to run your own business of one kind or another, or was this just like an opportunity that you thought, I'm going to grasp this and and, and see where we go? No, I've always been of the opinion that to make real money, you've got to do it yourself. Working with other people is fine. But it wasn't really my mindset. I was not that person. So I do think that from the beginning I was concerned that I should try something. It, it finished up that I was a minicab driver because of circumstances to do with my father's business going down. And I just thought at the end of it all that what I would do is I would, um, I would, I would start something on my own. And when I looked at the minicab industry, it was such a, a mess. I just thought, well, I could do better. In fact, it was a bigger mess than I thought. So I did better than I thought I would. In those early days, did you buy a company? Did you, how did, how did you actually, sort of, or was it just you in a cab? Well, I met a bloke in a pub. All right. And this bloke was a chauffeur, and he was a chauffeur to Robert Stigwood. It transpired that he had a small company which he had abandoned in Battersea. And when he explained it all to me, I thought, well... He, he seemed to be walking away from something that wasn't working because he had got this enormous opportunity to be a chauffeur for this extremely rich individual. However, when he went further, he told me that his, his problems were that he had VAT problems, he had problems with the rent or the radios he was doing and other things, and, and he'd, uh, he had personal tax problems. So I did a deal with him in the pub that if I could resolve those problems, could I take what is ever the business, the lease... Mm-hmm. So I investigated it and I found out that um, he'd overpaid on his tax. I, cl- I cleared that up and then, in fact, I got him £4,000 refund. And then they had a radio equipment that basically was of an old model valve type that you really couldn't maintain. There weren't the valves. I knew where to get them, but I knew that the company that made the radios didn't. So when I presented the radios to them and I, and I put it to them that they're in breach of their contract because they can't replace, repair, maintain this equipment, I think they had to agree with me. So they, I said, well, we'll do you a favour and we'll take the radios and dump them for you. So they agreed to that and that put me, I didn't dump the radios, I, I bought the valves that needed were needed. Yeah. And so I, I basically put that together. I had then one person, and this one person, um, who was a very strange bloke, but he was the controller, manager, driver... And he had the keys to the shop, and he'd come in, 
the phone would ring, he'd answer it, he'd do the booking, and then he'd go back to the shop, op- open the door. It was quite amazing how he managed to scratch a living that way. Yeah. But he was a decent enough bloke, and I kept him on, and the, 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 the office part of the shop actually had a bucket in the middle of it, which was catching the water coming from the roof. So it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a great start. But I thought, well, you know, let's see what we can do. So I started to, I, you know, build, build the business, and I worked very hard, and I, you know, I was quite ambitious, almost naive, if you like. I enjoyed the challenge, and I was fit, young, strong. I was determined to, to do something with the opportunity. Yeah. Although it was hard work, it was, it was fun. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like playing sport, you know. It's tough, but if you enjoy a sport, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it was a sport. And when things started to go well, your mind does drift off into where you could be going, you know. But really, I was fairly, fairly, you know, focused on the reality of what I was doing. I wasn't really too much of a dreamer. Uh, but we all have dreams. I'd have to say, I'm amazed when I look back at the dreams I had, how many of them came true. Yeah. What, what do you put that down to? Well, hard work. I think, hard, you know, I, see, I, I, I hate the idea that everybody has to work so hard to be successful. Yeah. It's a myth, really. I think people tell you you must have worked very hard, so you can't go along with it. But I honestly don't think that is the critical thing. The critical thing is to get it right. You know? There's no point in climbing a mountain the wrong way. You've got to <laughs> study it, you know, yeah, yeah. and find the quickest path. And that really is more important. So sometimes you've got to got to stand back and, and look at the overall picture and I don't think you know people who just work 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 that um they don't get the they don't stand back and sometimes you've got to do that and you know it isn't about doing 24-hour days you know it isn't about that it's not about workaholism um it, it's it's really a, a balance of you know being sensible with your time and making the right decisions at the right time you know with a small element of luck I mean yeah. luck plays a part I mean you know, I'd rather be lucky than clever. As the business grew, um, you must have developed a kind of management style. You know, if you get beyond, you know, two, three, four cars, five, six, seven staff, I've often heard entrepreneurs and business people say, when you get past kind of 35, 40 staff, all of a sudden things become a little bit different and you, you, you within a business you need to manage the business in a different way. How did you develop your own sort of personal style of management during the, the the early growth years, if you like? Well, I think, for a start, I was employing a load of drivers. Now, people talk about minicab drivers in a derogatory way. Now, I'd been a minicab driver, so I saw it differently. I thought they made a very honest living, hard-working, decent people. If a minicab driver has an hour and a half for lunch, nobody pays him. Mm. If there's a day off, nobody pays him. So it's a very honourable livelihood, and I actually do like them. So that was a great start for me, that I got on with them fine. I respected them. And I was friendly towards them. And I was determined to, if you like, elevate them a little bit in the social scale because I think they're decent people. So that, that was an important part of my growth pattern because I, you know, drivers knew that about me and, and I won their respect because I gave them that respect. And, yeah. and really, you know, I enjoyed the people I work with and I don't have an ivory tower that I sit in. I'm an ordinary bloke. I have a job for the company. It's different to other people's, but I, you know, I put my day's work in and I do it my best. And you know, I just regard myself as another worker. I don't have a secretary. I don't have a PA. And I think that a lot of people surround themselves with those type of staff because they they don't want to be exposed. 
I want to be exposed. I sit in the middle of the activity where we're sitting now. Mm. There's telephones all around us. And it's because if, if anything goes down, they come into me. I want to show them I'm a talent. I can do it. And I want to earn their respect. So I have a slightly different management style, you know, because but things are changing. People like me are now uh, part of the firmament in a way we weren't, shall we say, in my father's generation. You know, it was a very class society, and yes. you know, you had to have degrees and go to Oxbridge, and yeah. But now, a lot of people now, like myself, are making real money, and we're winning people's respect because you know it's what it's what the game's about. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I really, it, it, for me, the money is. The, the, the evidence that you've succeeded. But the truth of the matter is that it isn't really my big thing. I'm much more proud of the fact that I've got people here with families, mortgages, and I'm helping to put that together for them. That's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. So, so there, it's, there's a lot of satisfaction you can gather. And, you know, when you... I can remember when I went to work, for example, if you left early or even on time, <laughs> people would look at you as if to say, he's not very ambitious. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Now, I insist on people leaving on time. I don't want people staying late. I call them squatters. <laughs> <laughs> because I want them to have quality. Yeah. And if they have a quality life, they're going to come to work the next day with yeah. a brand new brain, fresh with ideas. Yeah. Where I'm coming from is that I've been able to make those changes. You know, I can remember once we were playing Monopoly. When I was young, we played Monopoly for money. Mm -hmm. Not big money, but yeah, it yeah. just made it a little bit you know, more interesting. And... Um, the, there was an interpretation of one of the rules where one of the players was eliminated. He felt that, that our interpretation was, it, was not right. However, I won the game. And after I won the game, I then agreed with his point. And as a result of winning the game, and it, I was able to change our interpretation of that rule. Now, he had lost the game and he, was a non, you know, he didn't mm. feature. The point I'm making is that because I have now a winner in the game, I can change some of the rules and I, I can make sure that people aren't tormented into working late, you understand, and yeah, doing yeah, extra. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. and that, those sort of things, that, and, and bullying is another big thing of mine, you know. And uh, I'm very anti-bully. I'm really on the lookout for all that. Mm. I like people to go with people. And, you know, there's bullies out there. Human beings do like to bully. Mm. And uh, so that's been one of my causes, you know. I, I, get, very, I get very excited about people who, who aspire to bullying people. And bullying, you know, it, it can be quite subtle at times, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like to keep in touch with what's going on. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think what you're trying to do is create a nice atmosphere. One of the things is that tension closes up minds. So if a person gets agitated, stressed or tense, they make bad decisions. And what we have to do is to free up the mind. So the canals, the intellectual canals are open. And what you do with uh, tension and stress is those canals close, like muscles close. Mm. When mm. runners run, they relax. So what I try and do is uh, try and keep it that um, you know, people are relaxed. We don't harass people of why they're going out, what they're walking about, what they're doing. You know, people do it for their own reasons. But you know, here the phones ring and people answer them. And as long as everything works out fine, you know, we, we, we try and keep a happy ship. Yeah. 
but um, clearly you'll have you'll have targets. You'll have business targets. You wouldn't have become you wouldn't have got to where you are without sort of kind of setting targets. How do you kind of motivate your colleagues to to, to keep pushing forward? And I guess how do you motivate yourself to keep pushing forward? Because okay? you, you know you might get to a point where you think, oh well, we're Europe's biggest minicab company. We're doing really well. And take the foot off the pedal. How do you motivate yourself, and how do you motivate your your staff to keep keep pushing forward? Well, really, you know, I, I'm not. We don't. I don't really set targets, not in the way that some people do, because I recognise that our society varies and the economy varies. I think once we do our best, once we achieve as much as we can, and once everybody's giving as much as I feel they should, and once we all pull together, I think in the end that works. But I don't, I don't like to say to people, you know, I now want to have a now 15% increase in the turnover in the next six months. I don't work like that. You know, I just say, look, there's a whole number of reasons why we might be successful. Very few of them have got to do with individuals. It's more an overall effort. Mm. You know, you're, you're trying really, everybody, to, to move it forward. But I don't put the onus on departments. I don't put the onus on individuals. We're all in it together. And if if it works well, it's because we all pull together. Yeah. But there are no geniuses in this company, and I don't think there are in any company. No. Yeah. And I just think that some people take more credit than others, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I think you can't work without good people around you. You know, yeah. it, uh, people have got to understand what we're doing, and they've got to they've got to feel good about the company. They've got to get to work thinking these are decent people, and I'm going to I'm going to go on that phone and I'm going to enjoy work, working for them. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and it's, if you, it's, it's like the drivers. Friends of mine torment the drivers about, you know, the person I am. And I won't say everything they say, but, <laughs> but suffice it, it's not complimentary. But the drivers <laughs> won't, won't agree with them. Yeah. Yeah. The drivers say, no, he's okay. Yeah. We're going fine with him. Yeah. Now, that to me, I really enjoy that. Yeah. That, that, you know, and in the history of the trade, it was quite the opposite. Yeah. It was accepted fact that, that you know, he was, a, he was a slave driver, he was a thief. Yeah. And, you know, there was all sorts of, that's the way it was in the industry. Yeah. The boss was always that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've tried to change that. You know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be that person they're going to have doubts about. Yeah. But, from, you know, overall, I'm actually, you know, given, you know, what drivers do say, and I'm, I'm quite proud of that, you yeah. know, in, in its way. I'm, I'm very pleased that I'm an okay. Okay is good, for, you know, in my position. If someone says the boss is okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's as good as it gets. High praise indeed. That's as good as it gets. Yeah. Now, over, over the years, leading a company as it's growing like this is, can be quite a lonely job and, and, and has its own stresses. And I, and I don't doubt that you, you know, you've, you've been through your own stresses and difficulties. You've been probably through two or three or maybe even four recessions in the past. Usually your first recession is the hardest one to deal with. How have you coped personally with that kind of stress and pressure uh, and who have you looked to for support well first of all stress and pressure is not about being successful you know? once you're successful you shouldn't know what stress is and pressure doesn't come into it i really work at that i remind myself how lucky i am see i am actually the luckiest bloke alive and I, I believe that. It's not important that you might say that that can't be true. There's somebody out there luckier than me. But I actually believe that I'm the luckiest. Now, imagine this. Having started from nothing, having got to where I've got to, I've now got two sons. My two sons now have joined the business. And they've been with the business now over 15 years. In that time, we've made massive steps forward. The boys and myself, we've never had a crossword. 
we get on wonderfully well and they're the, you know, they're the biggest thing in my life and to be able to come to work every day and see my sons out I mean, I've got four grandchildren four grandsons two boys on each side so you know it's almost perfect it's yeah. really so who am I to talk about stress or pressure we as human beings we, we have become so self-centered that we actually don't think how lucky we are and quite the opposite we should be doing we should be remembering that daily mm. and because I do that I practice that I'm really the most relaxed bloke you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah. What advice would you give for younger entrepreneurs who are perhaps sort of building a team around them to grow a business? Clearly what you're saying, you know, positive people are, are very important. Is there anything else you've sort of learnt over the years about who, who's right? I think entrepreneurs, it's, it's a new buzzword. Yeah. Oh, you know, but okay, you know, and nothing wrong with that. And, and people should have the ambition because the fact of the matter is going out on your own is the way forward. It is the way to go. So the, then the next question is, okay, this is what I want to do. Now, how do I achieve it? The, the way I see it now is that our society now has got a lot more uh, opportunities for advice and help than ever, ever in my day. It really wasn't a thing. In my day, the people that, like myself, who had the sort of ambitions I had were called upstarts. Yeah, not startups. <laughs> so, so we, you know, who the hell are you that you should, that you should do that? That sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now there's a whole different dimension, and people now are encouraged to believe that they can do it. Yeah. And I do think that it, it, if you've got a plan, it's a good idea to speak to somebody. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of organisations and individuals, and we do mentoring and advice. Everything's different. There's not, you know, there is no. A single way to succeed. It isn't just you press this button, you succeed, you press that button, you're done. Yeah. It's a very complex mix of ingredients and a lot of it is to do with the personality of the individual. Mm. But that apart, there are certain things like banking procedure, like the way that you manage your accounts and, and, and simple things, you know? And when I started, I'd, my simple thing was every week I wrote down what the outgoings were. So I worked it all out. I would divide the electric bill by 52, and I brought everything down to a week. I had some miscellaneous figure down there, which I included for other things, but I got as accurate as I felt I could. And at the end of it all, then, I looked at my profit. So I was looking at what my gross profit was. Well, it, wasn't, it wasn't difficult because, you know, if I, if I paid the driver £10 and I charged 15 there's my fiver. And because... In, you know, in my time, we were paid weekly. So you got your money weekly and you allocated so much to this and so much to that. So you had, and it, it was an extension of that practice that I used in the business. Today, I have exactly the same practice. Mm. Today, I do a weekly accounts. So we have weekly accounts. Now, they're not accurate in terms of auditing, but they're accurate in terms of the, that they're the same as they were last year and the year before. Each week, is, it's comparing like with like. Yeah. So I know, basically where we're going so when i say to you we're 24 percent up overall like last week we were 29 percent up so i can see the trend and i do think that that particular practice for me was the right way forward and i think for a lot of people it's a very simple way forward and you know the danger is that if you allow yourself to be talked to, into, to by people who complicate the thing and you know accountants and others do have perhaps unknowingly a complicated way of looking at the world you know i see it much more simply i'm a simpleton i do complicated stuff you know and i don't profess to have you know that particular knowledge or training and i just try and keep it simple and i think 
that really is, is something that should encourage people. They just mm. say, you know what, I can deal with that. You know, and if you're talking about, say, profit margins, you know, for me, I look at something and I think if you buy it for a pound, sell it for two pound. You know, that's the business model generally. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. We're just sensible. Mm. You know, we just, mm -hmm. you know, we understand. We're sort of able to see the opportunity and able to handle it in a common sense way. Nothing to do with brilliance, nothing to do with having 99 O levels. It's just a piece of ordinary stuff. And, you know, anyone can do it. And it's important that people believe that because that's what I preach, that anyone can do it. There's nothing special about me. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and when I was young, I thought there was some <laughs> yes. pe people out there were special. Yeah. And I realised they're not so special at all. Because yeah. now I'm having lunch with them. I think, you know, <laughs> you're not the class act I thought you were. <laughs> You, I was two things. One, one I wanted to say was, I, uh, interestingly, and, and actually pretty unusually for for this day and age, um, Addison Lee is a, is a business without debt, and you buy everything kind of, to all intents and purposes, um, in cash. Great place to be. Yeah, good place to be in a recession. Mm. When it knocks on our door, we we were smiling. The, the reason for that is, when you start from nothing, you understand the value of everything. Mm. And one of the things here is that, uh, given you know how, how massively well we've done. I don't have a, I don't have a racehorse. I don't have a boat. I don't have a helicopter. I don't, I don't, I don't have a bird in the West End in a flat. <laughs> but regrettably, but you know, <laughs> we, we, we all have our shortcomings. There's, there's, there's always uh, one room. Yeah. So having said that, but for me, what turns me on is paid bills. I like to pay the bills. I like to know that we don't owe. That's the way I operate. There's always a part of you when I don't know if every business feels this, but certainly for me personally. Having lived the dream, I think, you know, this could all go tomorrow. And I'm, there's, although it couldn't really, mm -hmm. there's just a part of me that worries a little bit about it could, if you understand. So, so for me, I'd say, you know, unless I won the lottery, I won't be buying a boat or a racehorse or a helicopter. You know, I, because there's plenty of bills to be paid. And I'd rather invest the money. I mean, this year now, we've invested three, over three million into our IT. We have got a team in Russia. We've got a team upstairs here. And we really are ha battering that door down. And so when they say to me, you know, there's a, there's a new development that we can take advantage of, that Google, for example, are selling the opportunity to involve us in our system, we bought it. It's involved. And because it adds a little bit more to us, the cost of it really is irrelevant. As long as we, we keep pushing, what we've done is we've created a strong foundation for the brand, for the company, and for securing the future of the staff. Mm. All of that's important. Last year, in the recession uh, last year, we gave two weeks bonus to every member of staff. I think we we're the only company in London that did that. It, it keeps them aware that we do value them. Yeah. You know? We had every excuse not to do, not to do what we did. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. could have taken it ourselves. They'd have never known. Yeah. But the truth was, in conscience, I wanted to show that you know, we could afford it and we're going to give it to you. And it was a big issue. And it did motivate the staff. Yeah. They, they, and I think, you know, they feel good about us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's important. Have there never been, because I would imagine a business like yours, you'd have potentially sort of private equity people sniffing around and saying, oh, Addison Lee, we'd, uh, we, could, we could take you global. And Have you never been sort of tempted to kind of accelerate growth? The thing is that I, I have been approached. We've been there, yeah. We, 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 um, my son is very keen. He's had green economics and he likes to you know, uh, turn over every stone. So we, we did go through the exercise. And what we ended up was that th this is not a company. 
for me, this is my baby. And I ain't selling my baby. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, there's things I wouldn't mind selling, but I have an emotional interest here. Yeah. And that is, that's part of my motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that also, you know, we are nimble-footed here, so we can make changes overnight. And we do. We make decisions on the hoof. You know, we don't have long, drawn-out meetings. I do very short meetings. Yeah. And, but we make very quick decisions. And I do think that's one of our secrets of success. So having other shareholders, having to report the board, all that crap, I couldn't deal with it. It would do my head in. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so we don't. And really, you know, I mean... If we did sell and we walked away with millions, you know, I'm not sure that would do it for me. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is something much more important and yeah. much more inspiring and much more enjoyable. Yeah. You know, and and to be honest with you, if you gave me a hundred million pounds in the morning, I- I'm not sure I'd do anything different. You know? yeah. I- I'm fine. Yeah. You know, that, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you know I'm, I'm the richest man in the world, but I'm the happiest man in the world. Yeah. So what you know, what more do you want? Yeah, absolutely. One final question. This interview has demonstrated to me how relaxed you are and what a, what a sort of good vibe there is around Addison Lee. But you know, you must, as a you know, as as the head of the company or the chairman as you are now, and over the years, you must have wanted to sort of get away and and, and, and relax. How do you relax? I don't go away in the summer because this is a great country to be in in the summer. On Sunday, I'm going to Barbados. Right, I'm going there for a week. I'll spend the new year in Dubai, and I'm actually going to Dubai at the end of February as well. So in the winter, right. I like to think that that is my luxury to be able to go away when the weather's terrible here. I want to go somewhere nice and warm and play golf. I'm a big golf fanatic, you know. I play golf when I can. Both my sons play. And it is our valve, if you like. And and also, you know, there is, it is, you touched on it earlier, where your circumstances change and that can be a lonely thing. Well, you you know, when I started going into golf and I played for the Variety Club Golf Society and I meet a lot of people in similar circumstances. And that's really where I found my solution. So I've got a lot of people now that I've known for like 20 years who basically are in circumstances similar to my own. And it is a fact that, you know, when you do change, it's difficult. I mean, I have kept in touch with many of my mates I played football with for several years and I enjoy the company of, but... When the bottom line comes and I haven't got a mortgage and they have got one and they're in trouble and they've got debts and you know and which we all had at the time, it's difficult, you know, because I've been there, I've done it, I've got out of it. I mean, for anyone listening to this, remember, all of us, life is good for all of us. It's a great start. Positivity builds and negativity kills. And you can't make success out of negativity. You have to be positive. You have to believe. And that's a very important ingredient. And I'm a believer. And, you know, so after that, I'm, I'm tough to beat. I'm tough to beat. John Griffin, thank you very much. Okay, my pleasure, my pleasure. So there we are. Great interview with John. Uh, really pleased to spend some time with him. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that one too. Do let me have your feedback, alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. Uh, and do check out what the British Library's Business and Intellectual Property Centre has to offer by way of events over the, the coming months for growth businesses. So that's it for this week. Uh, do keep an eye on the feed and on smallbizpod.co.uk for uh, more in the series focusing on how to grow your business and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Thanks a lot and thanks for listening.